you can now take care you of the internet. Take care of you. Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bose Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bolchevich. And now, here's Jay. And Good afternoon, and it's another edition of the Bo's Nose Show coming to you live from beautiful downtown Eugene, Oregon, because I'm in my office today instead of doing my broadcast from my office in my home. So not broadcasting from downtown Elmira, because uh, it's been a kind of busy couple days for me. And I, I want to welcome you into the Bo's Nose Show, and I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich. And, you know, it, it, it's been kind of crazy. I mentioned uh, last week that I got elected as chair of the Board of Commissioners. Well, that comes with a whole lot of extra work and, and, and duties and, and responsibilities. And the last couple of days have been pretty crazy days. You know, and it, just to, to give you a, a small, t- I'll describe what yesterday was like for me. But before I do, I want to remind folks that today's edition of the Bose Nose Show is a free-for-all day, which means if you've got something you want to talk to me about, just call us at 646-721-9887. And uh, press one lets us know you want to get on the radio here. And uh, we'll talk about what you want to talk about instead of me telling you about how my day went yesterday or uh, measure 101 or our strategic plan and some of the other stuff I want to talk about today. If there's something you want to talk about, we'll talk about that here on the Bose Nose Show. Just call us at 646-721-9887. Just press one. So yesterday, my day started out rather early because I needed to get in the office by no later than about 7.30 to be ready for an 8 o'clock agenda team because as the chair of the board, I also chair the agenda team, which sets up the agenda for future meetings. So, and we review the, the on, on the 8 o'clock in the morning before our 9 o'clock board meeting, we're actually setting the agenda for the board meeting of the upcoming week. Uh, so, so at eight o'clock in the morning, we're doing agenda setting for the next week. Then the board meeting begins at nine. And, and this week, uh, we had another large contingent from the community rights of Lane County folks to talk to us about the initiative process. And we have gone beyond five hours. I think we're almost to six hours of public net testimony from those folks. Some of those folks have spoken at, at three separate board meetings. Um, so it, it's getting a a little interesting to hear the same people three different times uh but so almost six hours of testimony those folks at last three board meetings and uh basically asking us to to have a work session to possibly put um refer a measure to a ballot and we 
We ultimately later in the meeting set that work session for May 23rd because there's a possibility they may still make the May ballot with the initiative they had out for signatures. But moving on from there, you know, we went through all our normal business. We actually ended up going partly into our lunch hour because it was taking us so long to get all our business done because of all the, uh, the long amount of public comment we took in because we, we, we basically Basically, uh, don't cut off the comment. We usually let whoever talks want to talk and um, get out for lunch. And I had to, to basically spend my lunch hour doing some media interviews because I'm chair. Now I'm the person that gets called for comment and uh, had talked to uh, Rachel McDonald at KLCC. And, and then I had to, to start planning for the afternoon meeting, which was a bunch of land use um, hearings and stuff. So I had to look over the scripts because those are quasi-judicial um, <laughs> proceedings where I we actually sit like a, uh, a board of judges almost uh, making a ruling on a land use issue. So they, they're very scripted, have to be handled in certain ways because it's almost like an evidentiary hearing too, where people provide testimony to be put into the record and we have to rule on the criteria and the record and uh, make our decisions. So it's it's one of the, the more legalistic things we do as a county commissioner, and those are usually held in the afternoon. And that took us up past four o'clock, close to five o'clock by the time we got done with all all that menu um, stuff. And from there, I had to jump in the car and drive to Cottage Grove because now as the chair, I also have to attend the quarterly meeting of all the mayors in Lane County, because they have a quarterly uh, evening meeting where all the mayors get together and talk about what's going on in their various um, municipalities and coordinating and, and trying to learn from each other and efforts. Uh, so, and that meeting was supposed to be over eight, but actually ended up lasting till 8.30. So by the time I dragged myself home, it was well past nine o'clock. And I had actually had a 14 and a half hour day at that point. So that's what it's like to be the chair of the Board of Commissioners some days. So th those of you that left me phone messages, maybe Monday afternoon or yesterday, and I haven't gotten back to you, that may be why. <laughs> really hard to call people back when you're in meetings uh, and, and just con constantly running from place to place did manage to return three phone calls at lunchtime today because uh, we did have a uh, a work session this morning and then uh, we had our housing authority meeting this afternoon and now i'm doing my radio show uh, just another another day at the office here as a lane county commissioner a little bit of view into my world somewhat but today's um, work session though is on strategic planning which we'll get to in a little bit but before we get there, you know, last night while I was busy um, meeting with the mayors and all that stuff and driving home, uh, the election results came in on Measure 101, and it didn't take very long to realize that the measure was passing fairly easily across, you know, in, in the statewide vote. A um, little interesting, though, to look at the map where they kind of did, you know, the counties that fit in one color and the counties that that didn't pass it in another. And it looks basically like your standard rural urban divide, uh, the Willamette Valley versus the rest of Oregon. 
as far as how it got passed, um, um, landmass-wise, the majority of the landmass voted no, but population-wise, the majority of the population voted yes. So it's interesting to see that um, you know, a lot of the area that's suffering uh, and it isn't recovering as quickly from uh, the 2008 uh, recession as the rest of the state has voted against additional taxes and you know the the population centers that are that have recovered fairly quickly particularly portland and and springfield salem areas all voted heavily yes for the uh, the metro 101 which kind of brings me to an election in january in the first place now this is only like the second time uh in eight years we've had a january election there was one back in 2010 i believe that one had a higher turnout than this election so the this election was basically set by the the democrat majority in the legislature as a as an artificial election date it was not an election date so the counties had to pay for running an election out of their general funds that wasn't scheduled on their schedule. So it's this is actually an unscheduled cost to all the counties. As it's a mandated function of county government to run elections. And purposely scheduling it in January, the Democrat caucus of the legislature knew it was going to be a low turnout election. And when you get a low turnout election, one of the things that can definitely make an election swing is your ability to get the people that are going to vote the way you want to vote it to turn in their ballots. And I think that the Democrat majority purposely scheduled this in January because they know they've got built in ballot turn in machines in the public employees unions and some of the other organizations that support their party that aren't available on the other side. And it and you just have to kind of look also at the fundraising difference between the yes and the no side. You know, the yes side had a couple million dollars, the no side had a couple hundred thousand. It's like a 10 to one difference in fundraising. But so it was kind of, and, and then they also wrote the ballot title and, and the ballot just everything very one-sided uh and it, it was basically you know somebody asked me was it a fair election i would say as far as the voting goes and the counting of votes and and everything all of that the counties run fair elections as far as the fact that the democrat caucus set it up for january wrote the ballot title wrote the, the ballot measure descriptions and everything um that was a very fair version of it of it yeah, why they couldn't let this wait till the May election and, and when many more people are going to be turning out and uh, have time to, to look it over, could have let it go like almost every ballot measure go to a um, provided uh, ballot title and ballot description writing committee uh, that is required. You know, any county measure we place on, it, we have to we have to appoint a two people for, two people against, and one person that's neutral to write the ballot title and, and description to assure that it's a balanced thing. 
they didn't do that with measure 101. They had people, only people that were for the measure write the, write the description. So you can, you know, right there, there was a built-in bias in this election. So, you know, whether you were for or against the measure, you should have been against the way the election was put on. And, and that, that, that's my biggest complaint. That and how much it's costing counties that have, don't have the resources to be running special elections. When you think about the fact that Lane County mailed out 245,000 ballots for this election, and just the printing of the ballots and the mailing is about a buck a piece, that's a fair chunk of money out of our general fund. About, you know, then then the cost of collecting them and counting, having you know, we have to have you know at least two people every time you, you touch a ballot, just about witnessing it just to make sure the ballots are being handled fairly. It's it's uh, not a, a cheap thing to do. I'm waiting uh, till they finish the accounting, but I have asked to find out how much this election costs Lane County because I am going to make sure our legislators know how much they cost Lane County and an unbudgeted, unexpected cost they placed on the county uh, without even uh, batting an eyelash or thinking about it. So, uh, so kind of kind of wondering what you all think about Measure 101 and the election. Uh, are you happy with the results? Sad with the results? How it impacts Lane County? Actually, you know, when you talk about county government and the funding of Oregon's health plan and expansion of Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act, better known as Obamacare. Um, that's it, you know lane county's the agency that executes a lot of that expansion so having it funded is actually a good thing for lane county government it means that we don't have to worry too much about um suddenly a bunch of people in lane county being cut off from the oregon health plan that are now currently being serviced by our federally qualified health clinics and all that so in general you know, the passage of 101 allows Lane County government to function without any hiccups. But then, of course, you can look at the fact that the new tax bill that passed in December that greatly reducing federal taxes is actually a boon to state uh, taxes because most states allow you to your income based on your federal taxes. And uh, if federal taxes are reduced, there's actually more income that's taxable under state law. And it's actually been um, predicted that state revenues will go up under the new tax bill. So that happened after Measure 101 was run through the legislature, those taxes. So it's like there's new tax, there's new revenue coming into the state that we hadn't counted on. So Measure 101 hadn't passed there, there that revenue could have been used to backfill the, one, the, the taxes on your insurance premiums and on hospital and medical providers that Measure 101 contained. So uh, not sure it was an absolutely necessary um, yes vote. Uh, you know, it could well have been backfilled just by both the growth of tax revenues with the economy going up and the growth of state tax revenues due to the reduction in federal taxes. Kind of curious. What do you think, though? Were you voting yes? Were you voting no? Are you happy? Are you sad? Do you think it was a 
fair election, um, give us a call here at Bo's Nose Show, 646-721-9887. And press one lets us know you want to get in on the conversation. Again, that's 646-721-9887 and press one and you can talk to me, Jay Bozovich, your West Lane County Commissioner here on the Bo's Nose Show. And we come to you every Wednesday here at four o'clock and uh, always an opportunity for you to call in and talk to your county commissioner here. And we're also streaming live on Facebook right now, the audio of this. So you can also pick us up through Facebook. And uh, anytime you want to get a hold of us, even between shows uh, and during the show, you can email us at talk at krbnradio.net. And uh, we'll get back to you. If you got a, you know, a question about the show, question for me, suggestion for a topic or a guest on the show, uh, just drop us an email there, talk at krbnradio.net. So what else is going on around here? Well, like I said, we had a work session this morning on our strategic plan, and we got to hear, um, hear a little bit about what our employees are thinking about, because we had actually gone out with employee survey, and now we're getting ready to hear from the community. We've got a uh, open house tonight here at Lane County, beginning at 530 uh, to, to review our, our um, draft strategic plan. And at the same time, we also have available um, a community survey you can get into. And I have put a link to that up on my Jay Bozovich West Lane County Commissioner Facebook page. I've got a post there where I shared the uh, information about tonight's meeting, and there is a um, little uh, tiny ULR there um, link to the survey so that you can get in there. But we actually got to hear um, from our um, um, employees because we had an employee survey out. We got a pretty good rate of return. We had over 500 surveys that they got to, to, to compile. Plus, it's also gone up over 700. When you think about, um, we have about 1,400 or so full-time employees. Uh, that that's a pretty significant sample. If you know, when you get past that 50% point, and it was pretty interesting, some of the, the results of that because they sort of matched up pretty well with what the uh, department heads and elected officials. Uh, came up with during our kickoff meeting as far as some of the things we wanted to look at uh, in in uh, our future coming up over the next three years. And, and you, you heard a lot of the same things, um, access to uh, services in rural areas, you know, being equal to the access in urban areas, uh, public safety, particularly when it comes to rural areas. And uh, public safety kind of combined things like um, behavioral health and homelessness and, and mental health issues, uh, not just what you would consider as traditional public safety. Um, lots of concerns about um, uh, parks and open space and, and economic development. Uh, there were some concerns about uh, workforce development and uh, roads and highways. But what was interesting I thought was there there was a question asked of, of you know kind of of these eight of these values that are, were identified in the previous strategic plan which ones you know 
do you associate with Lane County, uh, at, you know, most closely with Lane County? Uh, so you kind of had to, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, most values are positive. So it's kind of like picking between your children. What, who's your favorite kid or who's your favorite puppy? Uh, <laughs> if you don't have kids, it, it's one of those things where it's always, you know, difficult to do. But what I found that was interesting is the number one answer and by a large percentage, 45% of the people said integrity was the value they associated. And our, our employees said this is the value they associated with Lane County. And I'm pretty proud of that fact. And, and the second highest answer that was down around 20% was open and accountable. So when you think about that, that over half the employees said it was either integrity or open and accountable were the values they associated with Lane County. That is something I have really tried to, to, to instill in the culture of Lane County uh, because one of the things I the most concerned when I first took office was regaining the public's trust in Lane County government. And the only way you can be trustworthy to people is to have integrity and be open and accountable to the people. So I, I was really proud of those survey results uh, and and it meant a lot to me to see that our employees are now reflecting that. And I think we see it also in the public when we renewed our jail levy and got a 73% yes vote on the jail levy renewal. You don't get that high of a vote if people aren't starting to trust Lane County as a government. I mean, yeah, we're not we're not Congress with, with approval ratings that are down there so low that you, you, you kind of have to uh, Get, get a magnifying glass to, to look for them, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, we must be doing something right when you get a 73% yes vote when you're asking people to renew uh, a property tax levy. You know, asking them to tax themselves. And I, and I believe some of that is because we have gotten our employees to, to really function in their jobs with a high level of integrity Try and be open and accountable to people. And then, you know, number three on the list was respect. Be respectful to our citizens. You know, so those things just, you know, really jumped out at me in that employee survey. That, that those those were the, the values that they were now associating with Lane County as, as Lane County employees. So um, pretty, pretty pleased with some of the, the work that's been done so far in the uh, strategic plan, but now is your opportunity to start weighing in on a strategic plan. Learn more about it tonight at the open house, 530 uh, here in in uh, Harris Hall. But also, um, you know, you can go online and uh, fill in the survey. Just, uh, you know, Simple thing, go to my Facebook page. I've got a post there I'm promoting right now. Uh, I've shared the event for tonight um, on Facebook. And uh, really an easy easy way, you know, just that, that little uh, bit.ly uh, uh, link there that's buried in, in the Facebook post, just click on that. And if, if you're on Facebook, you're one of these folks that you know, hates Facebook. I'll never get. I'll never get a Facebook thing. Simply go to LaneCounty.org, which is Lane County's 
website and put in the search bar strategic plan and that'll take you to a you know this first uh, result will be our strategic planning page and you can go to that on our website and on the strategic planning page is a link to the community survey so for those of you that aren't on facebook that's one way to get to it if you are on facebook just simply go to my jay bozovich westland county commissioner page and uh there's a, a link there and i'll also put it up on the uh, arbn internet news talk radio facebook page which don't forget to like us on facebook because that will let you get um you'll see on facebook more often when we're uh, telling you when the shows if we're changing a show time or something like that who's the guest going to be or what's the topic of the day uh all those sort of notifications if you've liked our facebook page you'll see them more often in your news feed so and jay you forgot something i did yes what if they miss the show oh if they miss the show they're there forever they live they live forever on the internet so you know, folks that ever want to do opposition research on me in the future and run against me for my commissioner's seat, uh, <laughs> I've been hours and hours of me talking or on the internet right now on the KRBN Internet News Talk Radio Facebook page. Because if you go back to the individual episodes, you can actually click on those uh, Facebook live feeds and listen to them that way, or you can go to the our blog talk radio. Uh, page that's that the home for uh, uh arbn internet radio um news talk radio here and and each episode's there so and you can even search us on itunes you know uh, krbn internet radio on itunes and and find those and there's multiple ways you can get to past episodes if and you're curious our phone app oh and our phone app <laughs> Tell them about our phone app, Robin. Our phone phone app is available on, um, I think it's available for iPhone, but it's available for Andrew, Andrew, Android, or Andrew. Andrew can have it too. <laughs> um, at the Play Store, just search for player.fm, download the app, and then search for KRBN Radio, and you will see our episodes there, and I believe you can follow us live as well. Ah, yes. Yep. So lots of ways that you can reach out and listen to the Bose Nose Show. Lots of ways you can reach out a question, which maybe I can address on the Bose Nose Show, but I'll get back to you also personally. Um, you can message us on the KRBN Internet News Talk Radio Facebook page. You can message me on the Jay Bozovich West Lane County Facebook page, or you can just personal message me as Jay Bozovich on Facebook. Uh, there are not too many Jay Bozoviches in the world. And if you want to know how to spell that, it's it's B O Z I E V I C H. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't want to know how uh, my uh, typing had spelled it when I tried to text you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, it, it's probably one of the most misspelled names in 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 the uh, in the nation, I'm sure, as people try and spell it. But usually, if you just start out with the B O Z. Um, you'll get there eventually, especially if you start out with J-A-Y-B-O-Z and uh, generally it will autofill the rest of Bozovich in because there's there's just not that many people that are J-B-O-Z something on on the 
that have enough enough returns on a on a Google search that they're going to come up in the Google search that much. Um, and and uh, just so people know, that I, I just put a link up for the strategic planning, Lynn Counties, on our Facebook page, which is uh, uh, Facebook KRBN Radio. So if you want to, if you're listening to this, not on Facebook, and you want to see it, it, it's there. Yeah. Well, very good. I appreciate you putting that link up there, Robin, because uh, it's definitely something that, um, you know, you would you would hope that we can get more than the 500 people that were employees, more than the 700 actually that we're up to now that employees that answered the employee survey, which the employee is still open. If you're an employee listening to the Blue Foes No Show of Lane County, uh, you still have time to make to respond to the employee version of the uh, strategic plan survey. Um, but this, you know, the community survey, I'm hoping we can get a really large response from a wide and diverse group of folks out there that we don't get a whole, you know, some activist community that passes it around and all, all wants us to. Commissioner Sorensen remarked in today's meeting, if we get a whole bunch of people that are asking us to put benches in our parks or something like that, you know, you know that it's been, you know, or, or one particular park or something like that, you know that there is some group that, you know, of, of single agenda people that pass the link around. Um, I'm hoping we get a little bit broader people, uh, diverse, broad opinions, and that people will look at it not for a single issue agenda, but they'll think about the larger picture of where do you want Lane County to go? As I talked about, you know, strategic planning is about first identifying, you know, you know where you want to go, what that goal is. That that's that's the the destination. That we want Lane County to be, then how do we want to get there? Yeah, you know, which is is the route or whatever. Like, kind of like trying to program in uh, your your Garmin or something like that. You got to have an address of where you're going, a destination, and then as you're, you know, it'll give you a couple routes to pick from and you'll pick the route you want to take, you know, because sometimes you don't want, always want to take the shortest route time-wise or mileage-wise. There might be a reason why you want to go that longer route because you happen to know that there's a really great Amish bakery that's open on Fridays uh, <laughs> on, on the route that includes Prairie Road between here and Corvallis versus the route that goes up Highway 99. Um, <laughs> so you pick that route instead uh, and, uh, and yeah, so so yeah, you pick a route, and then as you're driving that route, the Garmin will tell you if you get off the route. You know, oh, you made a wrong. You know, turn here. When you don't turn here, it says, you know, recalculating. Turn turn left here to get you know, and takes you back towards that route. That's that's really what a good strategic plan does. You know, you identify where you want to go how you want to get there and along the way you look at whether you're getting there how you want it to and you keep trying to come back to, to the direction you wanted to go and one of the things i like to talk about strategic plans is it prevents the uh the whole issue of attention deficit and squirrel uh <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever somebody brings to you that day that's some big issue, 
it gives you the ability to go, well, we've already identified these really big issues that we're trying to work on. And that, you know, your, your issue is important in some ways, but I'm not going to let that take me off my route so far that I get, you know, into the weeds and lost and, you know, end up on some BLM road because my Garmin told me to go there because I was chasing the squirrels. You know, so that that's the real power of a strategic plan is, is you know, keeps us chasing squirrels and keeps us on a route and gets us to a destination. But you guys, the citizens of Lane County, can go on that survey and tell us what are the destinations you want to get to. What's important to you? What's important to you to have work on in the next three to five years? So go to that link that Robin posted on our KRBN Internet News Talk Radio Facebook page and uh, tell us what you think or call us, which is probably one of the easiest ways to talk to me right now is 646-721-9887. And that'll get you into the Bose Nose Show. Just press one, lets us know you want to get on the radio again. 646-721-9887. So kind of threw out a few things there. Measure 101, strategic planning, uh, my day yesterday. Kind of glance briefly a bit about the uh, initiative process and all that. And I just, I'd like to just spend one minute because there's been a couple things thrown out there. Um, and one particular was a letter of the editor and register guard. And it talked about how the commissioner, four out of five commissioners are blocking the process for the initiatives or, or you know, took a vote or you know, whatever. There has never been any action by the board of commissioners to restrict the initiative process in Lane County. There hasn't been a vote. There hasn't been any um, actions by the commissioners. Nothing that's on it. There has been a lawsuit by a third party that has caused a judge to issue an order requiring, you know, basically ordering Lane County to do a review of the initiatives to test to see whether they meet the conditions of portion of Oregon revised statute about having separate votes and and not having multiple votes combined into a single vote. Uh, Whenever you make a charter amendment or a constitutional amendment, people vote on each item that should be voted on separately as separate initiatives. And that uh, analysis was done and determined that that, um, the aerial spray initiative violated separate vote. and that was done in accordance with the judge's order. Not any, the board of commissioners weren't involved in that. And um, that determination is now under appeal. And there's a hearing in Lane County Circuit Court, not in front of the board of commissioners, to determine whether or not that separate vote analysis was done correctly. And that's coming up on February 2nd before Judge Rasmussen not before the Board of Commissioners. So there has not been any action by the Board of Commissioners uh, to prevent any initiatives from getting on the ballot. What we also have done is based on some of the public testimony over the last three meetings, we have scheduled a work session for May 23rd to look at the ability of whether the Lane County Board of Commissioners 
might by board action and the initiatives that are attempted to be put on now by citizen action or vote as an ordinance rather than as a charter amendment. And the significance of that is charter amendments have to meet separate vote. Ordinances, which are changed to lane code, not to the lane charter, don't have to meet separate vote tests. They still have to be a single subject and they still have to you know, follow a couple rules of the initiative process, but they can actually contain multi, you know, multiple subject vote, multiple votes uh, within a single, single initiative. So we'll look at that on May 23rd. There are some legal questions around that because there is seen, uh, any local control of agricultural practices. So is there some question about whether the board can legally refer that to the ballot versus citizens can actually collect votes and refer anything. So it, it's been interesting to kind of watch some of the um, misunderstandings because there are some nomenclature issues that people don't understand, like the difference between an initiative petition and a referral by board action. And the difference between a charter amendment versus a code amendment through an ordinance. And, and people are using language interchangeably and not understanding how significant that change in language is. Because ORS um, doesn't require separate vote on an ordinance, but it does require it on a charter amendment. And, you know, so, and citizens can refer stuff that citizens refer stuff. You can't look at whether or not something's legal to, to keep it on or off the ballot. Citizens could refer um, a ballot measure to make Klingon the official language of Lane County government, you know, if they wanted to, even though that would probably not be truly legal or, or feasible, but if that's what they wanted to do, they could do it if they could collect enough signatures to legally place it on the ballot. The Board of Commissioners, though, as we refer something to the ballot, can't really refer something that is blatantly illegal. You know, we could not refer something to the ballot to say that that violates the civil rights of part of our citizenship. Like folks that are left-handed and blue-eyed can no longer live in Lane County. That, you know, whether we, if we refer that to the ballot, yeah. knowingly referring it to the ballot, we might be personally liable for that. So it's interesting. You got to be careful about what language you're using, you know, whether it's a charter amendment, whether it's an ordinance, whether it's an initiative petition, or whether it's a referral. Very different things. And, and there's a lot of confusion because people are, hearing one word and the other word is in their head and and they're getting very confused about some of the activity around this but i want to make clear that the board of commissioners has taken no action to prevent anything from coming on the ballot and we we actually have scheduled a work session after the may election because the the initiatives for the charter amendments may still make the may ballot you know that's it's in legal uh, dispute right now, but there is an opportunity for them to make the May ballot. And I think that's what the initiative uh, 
that folks that were the chief petitioners would rather have happen. So it, they asked for us to, to look at the possibility of referring an ordinance for the November ballot. So we scheduled that that work session immediately after the uh, the May election, which would be and and the deadlines for the November election are, you know, don't start till August. So that's kind of where that is. Another interesting thing I hear all the time is how how 30,000 people um, you know, sign sign petitions, which is not necessarily an accurate um, statement because there are actually two separate petitions that collected about 15,000 signatures each. And of those, only a certain amount were verified as as living in Lane County, registered voters and all that good stuff. But those both those petitions were circulated at the same time by the same petition circulators. So many people signed both. So to try and talk about 15,000 signatures on one petition, 15,000 on another, and add it up to 30,000 is a bit disingenuous because most of those were repeat signatures. So, at, at, you know, you can say at a minimum, approximately 15,000 people signed. It might have been more. There may be some undo, there may be some people that sign one but wouldn't sign the other and, and be some unduplicated signatures on, on, on that. But you cannot just say there's 30,000. So one of those things that, you know, at, at sitting here and listening to some of the discussions in public uh, comment uh, that came before the board and even what was in the letter to the editor and the register guard and some of the letters to the editor in the Eugene Weekly have had contained some pretty um, um, inaccurate information. So if, if you have a question about that directly, you can call me right here on the Bo's Nose Show, 646 721 9887. If you think I'm not telling the truth about that, uh, please give me a call. Because I, I, I think it's pretty verifiable. There has been no uh, vote, no board order, uh, or anything that has done anything to, to stop these from coming on the ballot. So we've got you know a good 15 minutes left here in the Bo's Nose Show, and uh, it is a a free for all day, so you can control the topic. Uh, anything's fair game, 646 721 9887. And if somebody doesn't call in, I'll start just talking about whatever I feel like talking about. And that could be anything from uh, the meeting I had with the mayors last night. Pretty exciting stuff. I didn't realize that this is the 40th anniversary of the release of Animal Houses in 2018. And, and the folks, you know, we're, the uh, Cottage Grove was the host for the mayor's meeting last night, and the folks down in Cottage Grove are planning some pretty exciting stuff. And if you want to put a date on your calendar, Keen 18, August 18th this year, they are going to try and break the world's record for toga parties in the Guinness Book of Records uh, down there in Cottage Grove. They had the record down there from the 25th anniversary party, but it got broken by some college in Australia and is now set at about 3,700 people in togas at, at the party. So they're gonna try and break that on August 18th. And my understanding is they're going to have Otis Day and the Knights and the Kingsmen there. So that should be just a great event. <laughs> uh, 
Well, all, all of you Animal House fans, and I think there's going to be some other events that you'll be hearing about uh, closer to the date, but a uh, pretty fun thing to hear about last night down there in Cottage Grove. Uh, and, and kind of a, a fun part about being a county commissioner is sometimes you hear about things going on in the community before the, you know, the general public does. And some of them are pretty fun, fun things to hear about. And I, you know, I, I actually I put that into my calendar. I'm gonna, you know, grab one of my bed sheets and wrap myself up and see if I can help them break that that world record down there in Cottage Grove. Uh, it sounds like it'll just be a kick in the pants. You know, that'll go along just like uh, that Wu character and his uh, tiger thing. <laughs> yeah, somebody will probably get a picture of me, but I don't care. <laughs> There's another. Yeah incriminating pictures of me out there in the world than, than I probably would want to know about. Yeah. Just, I, I never intended to be a politician. <laughs> just make sure your toga is covered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I understand in the 25th anniversary, um, the police chief was on duty at the time. So uh -huh. he had on his toga with his duty belt over top of it, you know, with his mace and pistol and radio and all that stuff. <laughs> and a badge pinned to his toga. Exactly. Hey, we got a we got a call coming. I'm just gonna go ahead and switch over to him live. Awesome. So, caller, you're on the line with uh, Jay Bolshevich. Um, hi, Jay. Uh, resident here in Florence, Oregon. You know, I was at our city council meetings, and you know, they're talking about worker housing or workforce housing, and this little mm -hmm. this thing keeps coming up with the tiny houses, and I just want to know has has anything has the the density been changed by the council to allow houses to be on several of these tiny houses to be put on lots um or do you is it just that you can now make your garage into a tiny house or how many tiny houses can you put on a lot you know can you help me out with this so I'm not going to profess to be an expert on recent changes in Florence um zoning code so i would suggest you get a hold of the folks down at, at florence city hall to, to get a definitive answer but I, i'm sure that there's certain zonings in florence that already allow for multiple units on a single lot now what they might be doing is uh, tiny houses quite often take exceptions to the building code and they're, and, they're, and they're actually at the state level making some of these changes like the loss that they put in for sleeping the ladders that access that make that get to them are actually violate most building codes because they're too steep and the rungs are too far because you know they don't it, it, a stairway has a certain um tread to 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 step with ratios and 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 banister requirements and all sorts of stuff that that tiny homes don't you know they violate in many ways clearances between you know the toilet and the walls and, and other things you know because they have to cram everything together um, so they do take exceptions to building code and i think some of those exceptions might have to be adopted locally so maybe one of the things that florence is doing is going through that process to make them legally buildable in florence but i imagine that there's um, higher density um, residential uh, zones there that already allow for multiple units on a single lot in certain zoning, whether or not they're also maybe looking at uh, accessory dwelling units on on single family lots um, might also be something else. But I, I would definitely get a hold of 
uh, Florence City Hall and maybe even talk to uh, Mayor Henry, who was actually at the mayor's meeting last night in Cottage Grove. I have to commend him for driving from Florence to Cottage Grove to attend a two-hour meeting. I mean, he spent way more than two hours driving. So, um, you know, so, but I, I would definitely talk to the folks in Florence City Hall if you're talking about inside Florence um, uh, city limits. If you want to talk about how the county code looks at tiny homes and, and multiple family in the rural areas, I'm pretty familiar with that. Right. Yeah. You know, I have to say I'm not actually for tiny homes, but it seems like we have a certain amount of the population that is. And, you know, and I'm looking this up on the Internet, just trying to find pictures. And and it's 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 horrible when you see all these tiny little houses put on a lot because they look really nice when it's out in the country and there's trees all around it. But, you know, when you're trying to fix workplace housing, you want to put as many livable spaces on a lot as possible. And that's usually done with, you know, an apartment building. But, yeah. you know, it just, it doesn't, it kind of almost looks like a, a gypsy um, conclave, a gypsy Arabic. house, you know, but the houses together. It just, I know there's, there's got to be some reality to this. And there's other factors too, you know, I could go into, but I'm just, I'm bringing this up and yeah, you'd have to change the density. You'd have to change the building codes to allow these things in multiple things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think probably what the city of Florence is looking at is how can we kind of expand the options for people to supply housing? Because one of the, the issues around apartment complexes is they're expensive to build an apartment complex. It usually requires uh, an to build an apartment um, building and getting an investor group to invest in an apartment complex on the coast has been very difficult. One, um, the trades for, you know, when you get into an apartment complex, everything's considered commercial grade. So all of your wiring, all of your um, insulation, uh, HVAC and all that stuff, it takes a different license contractor. And that isn't a, a easily readily available license uh, and skilled work set on the coast. So you're, you're bringing people over from the valley usually to try and build that multifamily housing. So they're looking for, you know, what, what, are, the, what are the options we might expand to? Uh, and tiny homes may be one of those options. I think row homes would, would actually be uh, a, a one of the ways they might look at expanding housing options. But I think it's just a, there's such a crunch of housing supply all over Oregon, particularly for workforce on the coast because of the, the competition with vacation rentals that um, they're just, they're really just kind of reaching for almost anything and tiny homes is the current newest, latest fad in one particular alternative housing option. Right. You know, it, um, I just did take up just a little bit more of your time. You know, I was, I was sitting at the coffee shop and we were all just banding about and some guy says, you know, my water bill now is $80. I guess it was $80 just to have the water and to use it. And I was thinking, you know, the reason why that is is because there's only so many of us and we're all paying for that that facility there to clean the water, our sewage treatment. You know, and if our population was twice as much, then they could cut down the amount that we all have to pay because there'd be more of us. So when they're expanding the housing, if they had an apartment, then they could add more to the population that pays for this facility. 
that by having all these tiny houses where you just maybe plug in your hose, you're not expanding the amount of users that are billed for paying for the facility. Kind of maybe what yeah. I understand. Sure. Yeah, but I would imagine that each house would have its own water meter, you know, and and and, okay. and electric meter. So it, it would it would probably you know the, the apartment complex would be more likely to have be master metered, but still the, the the system development charges and the and the monthly water bills probably would would be relatively equal between if there was 12 tiny homes or 12 apartments. Right. Okay. Anyways, I, I like whatever the solution is, I'd like it to benefit us all and the water pricing. I know if we had more people using water that they theoretically could bring the price down for everyone if there was more users. Anyways, um, blah, 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 blah. Thank you for your time. You're the one I wanted to come to with this information because you're far more knowledgeable than a lot of other people I know. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for that. Thank you for calling. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. See how easy it is to get on the Bo's Nose Show and change the topic of the conversation? That's why we're, you know, free-for-all days are like this. You know, we hadn't even talked about tiny homes today, and uh, that's that's where we went with that phone caller. So you can call us at 646-721-9887. Just press 1 on, on your uh, phone there, and that lets us know you want to get in on the conversation like that last caller. Uh, although we jumped on him cold. It kind of caught him by surprise, I think. But, uh, you know, I, while we're talking about Florence a little bit, I just want to... Um, we have uh, Sherry on the line, too, wanting to talk to you. Oh, great. Thanks, Robin. I, for some reason, I am not seeing the board on my, my computer. It's not showing a call coming in. So, Sherry, welcome to the Bo's No Show. Thank you, uh, Jay. I'm from Florence as well. Um, I was going to ask the question, similar topic, though. Two questions. One is, I, I thought there was some kind of a change made at the county level regarding auxiliary dwellings. Basically, this would be around people being able to inhabit uh, dwellings on people's in other words, there's, there would be two families instead of one living on a property, one in an auxiliary dwelling. Could you clarify more about that? Did something change? Is there a rule that uh, loosened that up to make it easier to to house more people? And I, yeah, I, I don't actually, care if it's Florence-specific or county, because we, we live in the county. Yeah, yeah there actually was a uh, bill in the legislature last time that loosened up the accessory dwelling unit rule and would allow counties that were over 25,000 in population, which Lane County is, to allow accessory dwelling units and cities that were over 2,500 to allow accessory dwelling units. In fact, the language actually got written incorrectly and had shall have accessory dwelling units. And, and uh, <laughs> because, of that, because of that, there was going to be a fix to it in this session. And that bill got written and is currently as House Bill 4034. And unfortunately, the fix got written that it only allows accessory dwelling units inside urban growth boundaries. So unless you're inside oh. Florence's oh. UGB, you wouldn't be We're allowed not. to have an accessory dwelling unit. 
And I and that this is one of the things I will be lobbying for up at the legislature is to, to let it happen all over the county. And you know, they can take away the shall and make it may so that you know, they're not dictating that the county has to have accessory dwelling units. But I really think that would be important to have. And then, of course, yeah. once we get the bill straightened yeah. out, um, the effective date on the bill was the, the last bill was July of 2018. So we can't we can't start allowing them until July and we'll have to write some code changes to, to for that allowance. So the, there may be some delay before that's actually implemented in Lane County. But if this House bill passes, um, it's going to severely restrict our ability to allow accessory dwelling units. So I'll be. I'll be spending time in Salem lobbying around House Bill 4034, uh, trying to make sure that we can get those accessory dwelling units, because that's really, you know, one of the things we talked about today in our strategic plan is the aging of our population and the changing demographic over the next 20 or 30 years. We're going to see a much older population, even, and you guys experience this in, in the Florence area. And a lot of people are going to want to age in place. And one of the strategies for aging in place is, putting an accessory dwelling unit on your property and maybe you move into the accessory dwelling unit and your children move into the house, you know, mm -hmm. and you get the age yeah. in place at house with your, your family there to even offer some assisted living uh, as you go along, or it gives you the ability to rent an accessory dwelling unit to allow you to continue to pay for um, maybe some of the upkeep you can't keep up with, um, physically as you age with your household. So there, you know, accessory dwelling units offer a lot of um, options to an aging population. That, that could be huge for Florence. So in a situation where let's say uh, there's a couple, they live, or a family, they live uh, in a single family dwelling on a lot that's large enough and they build an accessory dwelling and then, uh, like you said, they move into it, or maybe they rent it to someone. This would be uh, that would be legal uh, if the bill gets. If we can keep the bill fixed, bill fixed, allow it, and, and that that would right. be legal. Okay. What if and they course, decided to uh, put in a pad and bring in a trailer? Could they do that? That has a possibility, and that's part of the local um, implementation of that accessory dwelling unit. You know, one of the things you, we could say is, you know, you could also take your garage and convert it to an apartment, and that would be considered an accessory dwelling unit, you know, a separate mm -hmm. rentable space. You know, if you put a kitchenette in there and all that, you're, you're kind of, you're, you're really technically not allowed to build a, a, a separate space with a kitchenette and, and bathroom in it because that, that's considered another dwelling uh, under the current code, uh, um, those mother-in-law suites that a lot of people have built uh, suddenly would become kind of legalized, on, you know, with the accessory dwelling unit, uh, and and um, then would be, you know, deeply marketable as a rental, you know, here in Lane County. Yeah, that's that's huge. My my second yeah. question was when you were talking to uh, Jeff about tiny houses, you were. At the end of the conversation, you had said something about another type of house, and I can't remember. It was like a one-syllable word, like row home, not loft. A what? Yeah, townhome, townhome or row home. Oh, a row home. That was what you said. A row home. Okay. Could you talk? Yeah. Tell a little bit about how you see that differing. 
from apartments? Um, basically, it, it can a lot of if you do row homes, a lot of times they don't rise to the level of being considered commercial construction like apartment complexes do. Ah. So the, the building code's a little bit different and the tradesmen that actually can do the work are different. So it may be an you know, oh, ability to build a row home. Uh, complex uh, might be actually more doable on the coast than an apartment. You know, even even a low-rise apartment, you run into where you're going to have to get, um, you know, electricians that have a commercial rating, uh, HVAC, you know, people that have commercial ratings. You know, got it. Family. Thank you. That that yeah. gives us a lot of hope here. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time and your answers. Uh, you're welcome, Sherry. Thanks for calling the Bo's Nose Show. Okay, bye. Well, we're pretty much up against the clock now, and I want to appreciate that Jeff and Sherry gave us a call there towards the end of the program. And uh, we'll be back next week for another edition of the Bo's Nose Show, Wednesday, 4 o'clock here on the KRBN Internet News Talk Radio. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.